liberatory memory worker, chamomile tea drinker, Jared Drake, talks with us on the next episode of the Everybody Eats podcast. He shares about hanging up his jersey as a digital archivist, his commitment to getting T.I., Yeah the Rapper, in the Princeton University archives, and his purpose around connecting people to the past. This joint right here will certainly make you want to get into your history and beyond. And if I must say so myself, it's also yet another reminder that everybody eats, B. Get into it. I ain't eating. You ain't eating. What you mean you ain't eating? You ain't making this paper, man? Everybody eats, B. Honey's play me close like butter play toast. My milkshake brings all the boys to the yard. And- First, I'd like to say thank you for you could have been anywhere in the world, but, <laughs> but you here with the kid. I appreciate that. No <laughs> Oh man, oh man. So your roots are in Chicago and Gary, Indiana. Talk to me about how that shaped you as a person, and who did that make you become in relation to hip hop? Yo, um, honestly, Gary, and because of his, uh, you know, it's right there next to Chicago. Mm-hmm. Like, hip-hop is some of the earliest memories I have of anything. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, from listening to uh, WGTI, 106 Jams, not little, um, it just it shapes everything, you know what I'm saying? That's what the first time I ever really heard poetry, to be real with you. Mm-hmm. Like, poetry was coming through our little cheap radio that we had, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And our poets was Twister, was Do or Die, mm-hmm. was The Brat, you know what I'm saying? Um, Crucial Conflict, uh, like, those were, were, were the poets that I remember from the early 90s. Mm-hmm. Um, and then... Um, I always wanted to uh, go to so many other cities like Atlanta, like L.A., like New York, because of, like Houston, because of the hip-hop artists I used to hear from there. Mm. So um, I was, like, more so than anything, even though Gary is closer to New York geographically, like culturally, yeah. like, we really wasn't playing that much New York music on the radio out there. Yeah, yeah. Like, it was a lot of, it was a lot of death row, you know what I'm saying? It was a lot of, um, there was a lot of Dre, a lot of Snoop, um, and so every time I heard them rap, I just felt like I was, like, in L.A., you mm-hmm. know what I'm saying? Like, I, I came a little bit late for the N.W.A. Mm-hmm. phase, but, you know what I'm saying? I was the youngest of uh, uh, eight children, so all of my older brothers, they knew, they knew about N.W.A., you know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? So um, I just, like, I would hear them talk about stuff, and I, they would describe their neighborhoods, and they thought I was there, you know what I'm saying? Um, and same thing with, with, with UGK. Again, I wasn't listening to them but my older brothers were so i was just always picking up on stuff um and and definitely like one of the early songs i remember is i had for stab bonds anybody moves in the back of the bus yep classic (laughs) classic that's the oldest songs i like one of the first songs i have a conscious memory of you know what i'm saying um and then of course i I can't forget that on my date they they not on no coast they right there in the midwest Mm. um uh, freaking bone thugs of harmony. Yes, like, yes. Like, bone, bone, bone. We were a heavy, bone. heavy bone thugs, like 
family. Like, not my parents, obviously, but, like, yeah. kids, like, it, we, was, we was all there. Like, every kind of uh, first of the month, so that that, that yep. kind of stuff. Wake up, wake you know up, what I'm saying? wake up. <laughs> yep. He's not in your mind. Like, like, these things are poetic. Like, they were, they were poets. So as I got older and I started to travel the world to get opportunities, you know what I'm saying, as as a thinker and as a speaker, I'm going to these cities that I've only ever heard talked about in hip-hop. Mm. And, like, I'm seeing stuff in person that I saw in my mind from listening to hip-hop artists, man. Like, like, please, like when they talk about East 99, like, that's, like, they talking about real Cleveland-ass shit right yeah, there. So, yeah, yeah, for sure, um, for sure. That, that, that shaped me. It's just, it, like, I, I see the world through, like, you know, through the ethnographies, honestly, that these that these poets, you know what I'm saying, as as hard as some of those ethnographies are, they're not all pleasant and they're not all yep. like you know, politically fact. correct. But That's it's they, they were they were creating poetry from the pain that they were experiencing. For sure, for sure. So we're gonna like literally go zero to a hundred. So how did you get into the space of archiving and memory work? And I need to know, like, why you were the first dude for real, no bullshit, that I ever heard coin the term, like, memory worker. I was like, what the fuck is that? That shit sounds lit as shit. So, yeah, so how did you come up with that joint? Talk to me about kind of, like, how you got into the archives and that whole thing. Um, well, the first part is easy. Um, I didn't come up with the term memory worker. Mm -hmm. The first time I heard it was when I read... Um, this uh, report written by some folks from South Africa um, who were affiliated with the Nelson Mandela Foundation. Mm. Um, they wrote this report um, talking about uh, what they were calling liberatory memory work. And I, I was just, I was, I was like, damn, what's this? I need to know what that's about. So um, <laughs> after, after I read their the report and how they described it, I'm like, yo, that's what I've been trying to do my whole life. Mm. So that's how I started. That's why I started calling myself a memory worker so. and start talking about memory work because it was something that was, that was geared towards liberation and geared towards freedom. Mm -hmm. So that's the short of it. I didn't come up with it. I just, I read it and um, that, that joint just really, um, really stuck with me. Yeah. And so, uh, a few years after, like the year, um, I read that in 2016, and then last year I actually went to South Africa um, with uh, a group of folks um, from the Mandela Foundation and some folks from the U.S., and then when um, we came back, we ended up writing uh, an essay mm -hmm. about, you know what I'm saying, um, memory work even more, so... That's that's that answer. But the bigger story about how I got to archives is is real deep because um, again, this is where hip hop comes in. Like, no, I, you I, know, I, baby, I, you know how so this is gonna go. <laughs> I was uh, I was uh, a history major uh, when I was at Yale, mm -hmm. um, and I studied history because again, I grew up the youngest, so everybody around me was always older. I was the youngest on both sides of my family, mm. so everybody was older than me. Everybody would always be talking about something that I, I wasn't there to experience. Yeah. So I could I could only, like, access it through through the elders, you mm. know what I'm saying? Um, and so because of that, I just have always been interested in the past because that's what everybody's been around me talking about. Yep. Oh, yep. you remember when such and such happened? Or, I'm like, no, I don't remember that. Send me that story. Yep. So, um, you know, I just, that's how I ended up studying history at Yale. And then um, when I studied history, we had to do a senior a senior uh, project, you know what I'm saying, about some historical topic or whatever. Mm -hmm. And um, I don't know, I think I was going to do something 
real basic and not that interesting, to be honest with you, um, just to, like, kind of get done with it. Yeah. But I was listening to a mixtape by the game. Um, Tony Wright. Because, <laughs> of course, like, again, yeah, like, West Coast, like, that that's what was bumping through the radio. Yeah. Like, I mean, outside of Chicago stuff, it was, like, stuff from, from out west. So, um, when game came on this like scene nationally, I was all hyped up because I'm like, oh yeah, that's around in my childhood. Mm. So I'm listening to game mixtape in like 2008, and on one of these mixtapes, he started talking about Black Wall Street, mm. Black yep. Wall Street, Black yep. Wall Street, Black yep. Wall Street, and no bullshit. I just googled it because I want to see like I'm like, oh, he got a new label or something. Mm. And I googled Black Wall Street, and I was like, what Mind the blown. fuck? What the fuck <laughs> is I was happening? So <laughs> I was so confused. That's hip hop led me to that. Like, mm. like, like Jason Taylor led me to 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 the archives because when he talked about Black Wall Street and I looked it up, that wasn't Black Wall Street he was talking about. And um, so I did my senior my senior uh, research project on this. Um, it really wasn't even a race fight. It was the, the massacre of of the black community in Tulsa, Oklahoma, in 1921. And so I went to Tulsa. Um, to do my research, and um, I, I thought it was interesting that the archives, the official archives, which were held at the University of Tulsa, mm-hmm. um, they said they told a different story than what the black people in Tulsa was telling me. Mm-hmm. So I was there like, oh, you know what I'm saying? I'm a student at Yale. I'm doing research into the Tulsa race riot in 1921. They was like, fuck, fuck, fuck. It wasn't a race riot, bro. Yeah. So I was like, uh, but that's what the, the textbooks, and they was like, no, nah, I want a race riot. It was like, they was telling me something that was completely different than what the archive was telling me. Mm. So, um, I, and, I, and I felt like I didn't I didn't know what to do. I'm like, well, the official thing says this, but this is what everybody else is telling me. And as a historian, you're trying to, you, you're taught to believe what the, like, the, the, the archive says. yeah, the institutions. You know what I'm saying? The archive is, is the site of trust and, and reliability and all of that stuff. Um so, you know, I ended up probably doing a pretty terrible senior essay because I feel like it wasn't, um, you know, it wasn't critical enough. It kind of just went with, uh, like, I tried to do a little bit of, like, bringing in what people were saying, but um, I don't think I really had the lens and the language to describe what was uh, what really happened there. Mm-hmm. So, obviously, ever since then, I've just been fascinated in, like, what, like, archives do and what they are. But even still, I wasn't thinking about no job doing that shit. I was, yeah. you know, uh, like, I was just um, thinking of, you know, oh, I want to be involved in, like, history in some way. Yeah. But I didn't even know what that was. Because growing so. up, we, nobody is talking about, oh, yeah, so-and-so is an archivist. Like, that shit, yeah. I didn't even consider using that as language to up, like, two, three, four years ago. Growing up, it was like, yeah. oh yeah, everybody worked for MTA. They was hustling, or they uh, like uh, um, correction, like you know what I'm saying, like the super regular, right. regular ass black jobs. <laughs> right. Archivist right. wasn't a part of that vernacular at all. Yeah, and me neither. Shit, I didn't. I didn't know that shit was. I didn't even know that was a thing to do, despite the fact that I was doing research in an archive. I didn't know that the people who were working there were like trained in you know what I'm saying had like professional degrees in the in this line of work. I didn't I didn't know none of that. I just you know, it it really wasn't until um I, I was working in the public schools in New Haven, um and I was teaching history. Um and I was like, this shit is frustrating because I felt like 
the school, the prison pipeline was just all over my school. And I yeah. felt like um, as a black man trying to disrupt that, um, I didn't really feel like I had a lot of support to, to do that. So I kind of was like, y'all need to find me something, you know what I'm saying, where I could do the kind of work, you know what I'm saying, like connecting people directly to the past that, yeah. that I need to, like I want to connect people with stories like what happened in Tulsa or stories like, you know, what happened in, in Rosewood or, or in all of the, the, the varieties of black stories, not only the stories of black pain, but the stories of black Joy. Black uh, prosperity and yeah. black joy. You know what I'm saying? I kind of wanted to do all of that. Um, and I didn't feel like the school system was really helping me do that shit. Um, so um, I, I, I left and I was like, yo, I want to, you know, apply for a job like at a museum. Mm-hmm. I was like, museums seem to be like, a, a library seems to be the places where you could, you know, like do all these kinds of things. So, I didn't know what none of that, that stuff was. Uh, other jobs kept saying that you needed a, a degree in library science. I didn't know what that shit was. Yeah, yeah. And I was like, so I wanted to talk to the one dude who I knew had a degree in that field. His name was Greg Yao. And um, I was like, Greg, well, all these jobs say I need to have a degree in library science. I don't yeah. know what that is. And I think you got one degree. Like, so what is it? So he, he just picked me the game. And, um, Shout out to Greg he, one time. He, <laughs> Yeah, yeah, Greg's a cool dude. He work at he's he's a, a library director of he, he's an assistant director of a library uh, at MIT. So. Um and uh yeah, so ever since then I was like this this is what I wanna do. And um so I went to the University of Michigan to, to do that and um when I was out there I was still involved in a bunch of um you know, they they was telling me the 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 basic classical training about archives, but I always like was planning my own yeah. situation because yeah. I knew that they was only going to tell me certain things. <laughs> uh, uh, because real, yeah, real. like you know, Scott Aaron say again, you know, I don't think he identified as a hip hop uh, artist, but you know, in his song "Message to the Messengers," he's talking to hip hop artists. Yeah. Um, and in that song, he says, um, "If they really knew the truth, why would they tell you?" Mm. Um, and so I've always, I've always just internalized that. So that's that's how I, I really feel got got into archives. Copy, copy, copy. And how have you been able to utilize social media to not only get more resources and meet more people, but but get us free through the archives as a vehicle? I mean, I don't think that social media, like I, I don't think that the kind of things that I've been involved in would have happened the way that they happened without social media. Like, it's, it's just been, it's been pivotal, man. It's been, like, like unbelievable. Um, so I was just talking with some, some brother yesterday about um, how in 20, uh, 2013, I started my career, quote-unquote, as an archivist for real. That's when I got my job mm-hmm. uh, at Princeton University. And um, I was isolated for a lot of reasons. Mm-hmm. Um, number one, New Jersey, like that might have been a whole other country to me. You yeah. know what I'm saying? <laughs> um, nobody, nobody would come and check in Jersey. So I didn't have no family out there. I didn't have no friends out there. Mm-hmm. I was lonely. You know what I'm saying? I didn't work with no black people. Yeah. It, was, it was it was hard. Coming from Gary, which is a black ass. Yep, that's a fact. <laughs> um, <laughs> And, you know what I'm saying, uh, just always being around black people, mm-hmm. um, it was hard, you know what I'm saying? So Twitter kind of became like my escape, well, that in teaching in prisons, mm-hmm. um, like those two spaces were 
uh, the spaces where my imagination could just really kind of run wild. Mm -hmm. So um, I got connected on Twitter with black archivists. You talk about not, not knowing about these kinds of things. Even when I came into the field, I didn't know that many black archivists. Like, I know a lot of white archivists. Yeah. I didn't know that many black people who was doing his work. Twitter helped introduce me to them. Mm. You know what I'm saying? That's where I first, like, for real, for real, learned of um, uh, Stacey Williams, who's a G, uh, and and uh, that's why I learned the Burgess Jules, who's also a G. Um, so many other dope black archivists um, I got connected to over Twitter. Mm. So, um, you know, it's like 2013, 2014, you know what I'm saying? We just, uh, you know, we got, at this point, I hadn't even met them in person. Like, I, I literally just connected with them on Twitter. Yeah. Um, and then when things really started to go around was in 2015, um, when, uh, you know, it was just like every week there was like a new story, uh, police killing a black person mm -hmm. and getting away with it. And like nothing happening at all. Yeah. And, um, you know, a lot of us work in all white libraries, archives, mm -hmm. and the people we work with, they don't care. Like they, like they wasn't like... Yeah. Like, they was, they was just as happy as the damn clam, you know what I'm saying? And we up in there mad, Stress. we up in there depressed, yeah. we up in there all kinds of, we seeing our communities, you know what I'm saying, like, be invaded by paramilitary organizations known as police. Mm -hmm. And we don't got nobody to, you know, talk with about that stuff. So we started being our own community, you know what I'm saying, that support, and then, uh, it really reached ahead when um when them officers in Cleveland, uh, the officer in Cleveland got off uh, for killing um, Timothy Russell, and Melissa Williams. Mm -hmm. So um, that was after that um, we connected and helped organize a project that uh, later became um, in in combination with some uh, non-black archivists um, as well and with activists in Cleveland, we helped start this project called the People's Archive of Police Violence in Cleveland. Yep. Um, and that, again, that all started from the Twitter. Like that, that's where all of our first like outrage and communication was shared. Mm. And then ever since then, you know what I'm saying, we just will collaborate, you know, off something we see from Twitter, you know. So it, I, it's been like the most, one of the most important like technologies um, to help people get connected, you know what I'm saying, if they feel isolated, if they feel alienated, For you know sure. what I'm saying, from their communities. For so, sure. Talk about Archive So White. Because oh, it's God. real. <laughs> it's real, and it's real. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, so Archive So White is a hashtag I created after April Rain, um, who's a black woman who's dynamic and just amazing. Um, I haven't had the privilege of meeting April, but um, I learned of her through Twitter. Mm -hmm. um, I learned of her work through Twitter, um, and she starts this hashtag called Oscar So White. Mm -hmm. And her hashtag was all about how the Oscars was only recognizing white people. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. And how the film industry in general was like, was not, um, and she started all this, you know what I'm saying, if I remember correctly, I think she started in 2013 and 2014, the hashtag. Mm -hmm. um, and it, it made a big fucking difference. Yep. Like, it made such a big difference. Um, there are so many black people that, you know, they they themselves, like, did great work, and they do great work. But I feel like so many black filmmakers owe so much to April because of the way that she 
stood up, you know what I'm saying, and put herself out there. So I thought that the way she was talking about it, and so um, I made a hashtag archives for white. Mm. So um, I was like, archives do the same. Because I want archives and film, they kind of do the same thing. They tell stories, yep. you know what I'm saying? Yep. They tell stories just in different ways. And I'm like, the stories that I see are just white people's stories. Mm. You know what I'm saying? I work at these libraries. Why is all these white people on the walls? Why are all of these white people in the reading room? Why are all these white people um, the ones giving money? Mm-hmm. Why are all these white people, you know, just like they were everywhere. There was no space, you know what I'm saying? And maybe, again, that's just my, my job. I was working at Princeton University. Yeah. But, um, like, it was just, it was just, like, like whitewashed everywhere. I go to conferences. Yeah. I'm like, why is this such a fucking whiteout at these conferences? Yeah. Why is it a whiteout, you know, at all of these meeting rooms? So, um, I just put put out that hashtag again. It's not that April, and then I just started talking about it and talking about it. And then um, I gave a talk, you know, what I'm saying about it. And yeah, like it's just like the the truth is that the way the the archive that we know of in the United States really gets its start in white supremacy. It gets mm-hmm. its start because um, people who lost the who Southerners. Um, who who were sons and daughters of the Confederacy, um, they wanted a way to, like, you know what I'm saying, um, like, venerate the lost cause and make make everything, you know, make it easier to see the connections between themselves and their ancestors who fought for the Confederacy. So, like, this is a white supremacist uh, origin, just the same way the film is. If you look at The Birth of a Nation, you know what I'm saying? The Birth of a Nation is the first film that really... Um, is a blockbuster and sells a lot of money, and yep. it's racist. As and the that's the same <laughs> way that the archive field in the United States mm. really, really gets its, its start. You know what I'm saying? A lot of the first um, archivists of uh, of the United States, um, a lot of them came from North Carolina. Mm. Um, I don't, I don't know them uh, anything about their personal lives to to say that they are racist. Uh, I will say that they came from racist states and. I am going to go out on a limb and say that the things that they did as an archivist probably helped maintain racism. Mm-hmm. So by virtue, they are racist. Um, <laughs> and so I'm like, these are the people who got the influence over this field. You know what I'm saying? And um, that's that's the that's the that's the story behind that. And you know, I don't I don't use that hashtag no more. I don't know if anyone does, but. Um, you know, it was definitely it was needed at that moment yeah. to just talk about white supremacy in archives, and um, you know, it, people are still talking about white supremacy. They, they're not using the hashtag, yeah. but there's a lot, a lot more consciousness now amongst the field of archivists mm-hmm. of of how um, how embedded it is within white supremacy. Cool, um, so two questions. One for our listeners. What specifically does an archivist do? And two, just thinking about like stay hungry as we bridge hip hop with food and beverage. What are you eating, and what could you actually eat while you're in a space where you might be archiving? Okay. Um, so, what does an archivist actually do? Mm-hmm. Um, it depends on the type of archive you work in. So, I'll just talk about the one that I used to work in. Mm-hmm. Um, my day-to-day job as an archivist at Princeton University, um, I worked in the University Archives. So um, the University Archives at Princeton was the place where all 
I'm going to say air quotes, all of the history of Princeton University was kept. Mm -hmm. um, Shout out to air quotes, yep. <laughs> exactly. Uh, all of the history of Princeton University was kept. So we would, I would literally do anything that was needed to, like, you know, help preserve that history. So that could be going and picking up a bunch of archival documents from somebody um, or from an office. Mm -hmm. That could be um, when somebody is coming to do research, um, we would bring them the archives from the stacks down so they could look at them. Mm -hmm. um, I always tell people the archive is different from, a, like, a traditional library because in a regular library, you go in – and you could go, you know, on the shelf, and you could just, like, pick up a book yourself, and yeah. you can, like, you can check it out. You can take it home with you. You can take it on the train with you. See, archives, uh, archives are different in that they're, they're supposedly one-of-a-kind documents that if they get lost, they'll never be replaced. Yeah. So that means that everybody pretty much has to has to look at the stuff, like, at the building. So, um, so you know, I just would help with any anything regarding that. Um and the way people find out what the archive has, like what kind of materials we have, is um, they go to our online catalog. And I always tell people, man, my job is basically, you know, like when you go to Amazon, like if you want you, you know what I'm saying, some, something for the for the cheap, you want to see, like, oh, like, I'm trying to think, what's the most recent thing I ordered from Amazon? Um, I ordered, oh, books. Yep. Oh, I'm ordering books job, from Amazon. <laughs> um, and, you know, you go typing into Amazon and you see all the, like, information about the, the price of this book. Yeah. You see, like, where the book is, like, shipping book. from. Yep. Yeah, you see, pages. like, all that Who's stuff, right? Yeah. Literally, that was my job at the Princeton University Archives, to publish all of the information about our archival, our archival uh, materials. Mm. So I would tell people, okay, you know, we got, we got 10 boxes of things, 10, 10 boxes of material about you know, this organization at Princeton. Um, but one of the groups that, uh, one of the ways that I try to address the air quotes all of Princeton's history is um, through this project called Archiving Student Activism at Princeton, mm. ASAP. Um, shout out to T.I. because I really want to throw a T.I. reference in. And here we <laughs> and are. I'm not an archivist. <laughs> ASAP. It's only right. It's only right. <laughs> uh, I'm not lying either. <laughs> oh, I'm sure. I'm clear. <laughs> I'm dead ass. Yo, my white coworkers have no idea that that was my goal. And here um, we are. Yeah. I mean, one of the, they let you in the yeah, room and it's over. <laughs> yeah, it's a wrap. Because one of, one of my, the first bangers, like, you know, you actually people like when they first started driving, at least in the Midwest, I know you New Yorkers, y'all already get out with the driving situation yeah. like that. But uh, in, the, in the Midwest, for so sure, when you get a car, you know what I'm saying, one of the first things you want to do is, is find you, a, you know what I'm saying, a phone to play, like, mm. like this is a ride music. My first record I used to ride to was uh, 24 by T.I. That was wow. my first joint. Wow. Like, my house starts and clothes. Oh, that's that's a lot of my partner's clothes. Yeah. So, like, I just, I had, like, I got so much love for Tip. Uh, mm. So I wanted to find a way to start T.I. reference to my daughter, Princeton, and it mm. happened. <laughs> and here we are. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, they can't give us nothing. Um, so, no, but this, this project, like, what I had to do, you know what I'm saying, I had to to um, go out and, like, get people's archival materials. So, mm. Um, you know, now it's like a hundred years ago, people was, was making, uh, they were making records, you know, of events, like through photographs, like or maybe they take a picture with an old school camera, mm -hmm. you know what I'm saying? Or maybe they would, um, they would like write in a diary. Nowadays, history is being made like 
Every day. On Twitter. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. History is being made on Facebook. History is being made on uh, the iPhone. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'll never forget this, uh, this one Bum B line when he was talking about, uh, I forget what track it is, but he, he's smart and I wrote this on my iPhone. Like, rap, yeah. like rappers are writing their lyrics. I can't remember that damn phone. I love boy. I can't remember. But, um, uh, oh, uh, uh, the song with uh, Drake, it's okay, it's okay. Well, I think it's uh, uh, the ago. But anyway, he talked about it right next to his iPhone. Mm. That's that's what the archive is nowadays. Mm. It's, it's all of these digital these digital things being made. You know what I'm saying? So um, with the ASAP project, I was going to like get people's Twitter, not pe- uh, people individuals, but like organizational Twitter accounts mm-hmm. and web websites. You know what I'm saying? So all of that kind of stuff. So that was my job was to like preserve the history that's being created right now. You know what I'm saying? Uh, email accounts and um, Word documents, Google Drive, all of that shit. Like, mm. just figuring out how how can I keep this so that in um, in a hundred years, somebody learns. So you know, hip hop gonna still be around a hundred years. Yeah. So like, when a hip hop artist like gives a, a reference to some like some event in Black history, you know, what I'm saying my job is to make sure that that record is around so they mm. could, you know, understand it. And they don't got to just go and see what the white people say happened. Yeah. They'll be able to see what the black person, what different black people said about a situation or what, what women said about a situation or what immigrants said about it. They won't just have the default white supremacist uh, text on it. So that's what I would do on a day-to-day basis. Um, now, you asked about the food and beverage that I used yeah. to, um, that I used to consume. Um so archives are very, like, they got a whole bunch of stupid rules. Mm. Um, they're, they're real, oh, for real. Like, and I, I used to be mad about it when I, you know, I'm not an archivist anymore. Well, I'm not an official archivist anymore. Mm. I, I retired. So I could say these things more <laughs> freely. But I, used to say them, <laughs> but I used to say that when I was working there, too. I think we had too many rules, man. We just, we try to police everything. We try mm. to police what you wear. We try to police where you sit. We yeah. try to police like how you look at things. Yeah. Like we, like archivists are not fair. Like they be policing everything. Yeah. So another thing the archivists try to police is like the food and beverage mm-hmm. that's uh, allowed into the building because, mm-hmm. oh, you know, if the food, uh, beverage, like, you know, you spill something on a document, that could, uh, that could damage it, that could hurt it, all of it, you know, it was ruined for life and that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And then that, that memory of the past is, is gone forever, all of that, that kind of stuff. Yeah, uh, yeah that's what they said. But I was, man, please. I, I used to have me a little stash of, uh, of, um, of high energy, like fruit, you know what I'm saying, that was on deck all the time. So I, I used to, people, you know, would see me walking around campus, I thought I would be seeing like an orange because the orange, like, just gave me so much nutrition and so much mm-hmm. life, which I need to deal with all this you know, the, the whiteness of it all. Um, I, <laughs> later later on in my career, I started doing, like, a whole bunch of smoothies and stuff. So mm-hmm. I'd be making, um, you know, strawberry, pineapple, mango smoothies, peaches, you know what I'm saying, blueberry. I'd be throwing any kind of fruit into my smoothie machine. Uh, well, it wasn't a machine. It was, like, $20, Hamilton Beach. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, I'd be throwing that into the into the uh, smoothie maker at the crib in Philly and then driving in. So I'd be drinking my smoothie. Um, at, at different points, I was a tea drinker, um, mm. especially um, uh, uh, chamomile tea. And, um, chamomile. 
classic. Uh, it was another one I used to go to on a regular. But the chamomile petitioner used to call my nerves because these white people used to be driving. They used to be working on boy. Yeah. And I felt like after I drank a chamomile, like I'd be less angry. Um, <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm dead serious. Like, that chamomile tea for like a year or two, like, I was drinking it like water. Wow. Was, ooh, so let me get my tea, man. Y'all, y'all, about, to, y'all about to have me snapping up in here so um, of course uh i mean i'm not ashamed to say how much i enjoy chicken and i had a point in my life that's real where where uh you know i was in college and you got a lot of different types of black people who go to yale you Mm -hmm. know what i'm saying most of the black people who go to yale are uh people who went to private school um and or they grew up around a lot of white people Mm -hmm. uh I, on the other hand, have only gone to public schools my whole life. And I grew up around all black people. So all that to say, I never had to, like, police my blackness in front of nobody because everything was just black. You never had to be like, oh, don't do that because white people don't think. We we didn't have to worry about white people because they weren't around. Yeah, that's Um, fine. Which was (laughs) uh, something I didn't appreciate until I got into uh, older, older life. So all that to say, I got to Yale, and all these black people, they used to think me funny because, you know what I'm saying, I used to like eating chicken, and I used to didn't have no shame in eating chicken. They'd be like, you know, that's such a stereotype. Black people, what the hell do black people like chicken? I'm like, why do you like chicken too? White people um, love chicken. <laughs> Everything that's, like, down south made that they want to criticize black people, chicken, watermelon, collard greens, cornbread, all, all white people be bodying it. Let's be Yeah, real. so <laughs> I, I, I kind of, for a little while, um, I caved and I said I wouldn't eat chicken in front of white people no more. Mm. Um, and I'm mad that I that I deprived myself of that beauty. Yeah. So when I got the job at Princeton, <laughs> man, I was eating chicken very damn much. I, don't, I ain't care. I had baked chicken, I had fried chicken, roasted chicken, Yo. chicken tenders, chicken nuggets, chicken sandwiches. <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, yo, let me tell you this. And this is this is word. If someone can call you an N-word, they're going to call you an N-word whether you're eating chicken or, or not. Eating chicken. That's a fact. Like, they don't care what you eat. They're not calling you an N-word for anything other than the fact that you're black. Yeah. And that's not changing. And I don't want it to change. Yeah. So, yeah, I was always I was eating some like chicken, man. Yeah. I, I, I eat it how I want to eat it. Sometimes I eat it with a knife and fork. Sometimes I eat it with my hands. Yeah, I ain't got the kind of time. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? That's real. Um, <laughs> I definitely had a watermelon phase too. So I'll be coming I'll be coming there with my own watermelon cut up, you know what I'm saying? Um again, it's a high energy fruit. Like you need that kind of stuff. Um I definitely start to eat way more balanced, you know, food. So I started to to do more fresh uh like vegetables and things mm-hmm. of that nature. But mm-hmm. I used to always find me, you know what I'm saying, with with some chicken and I ain't I ain't ashamed to say it. Yeah. Your ancestors would be proud. Be <laughs> Be very, 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 very pure. Uh, so the name of this podcast is called Everybody Eats. And this is something that, you know, we talk about, like, all the time. When you when you hear the term everybody eats, what comes to mind? Um, What comes to mind is that if you got some food or if you got some access to food or you got access to some sort of some sort of resource, it's your job to make sure that everybody gets on. Mm. Um, that's what it means to me. Like, everybody uh, has to enjoy whatever gift it is that God gave to you. Mm. And 
if you don't do everything in your power to distribute that that power and distribute that resource, in my view, you failed. You've you've done um, you've done a disservice to to um, everything our ancestors fought and and, and strive for. Um, so that's what it means to me. So like everybody gets a piece of whatever it is that you have to have access to. So whether that's information that you had access to, whether that's education, whether that's a library, whether that's literally food, whether that's water, whatever it is, make sure that everybody gets it. You know what I'm saying? And make sure that um, that you that you teach all the other people who are in, you know, because not everybody has that mentality who who's in these spaces. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Now, now I'm at another white supremacist institution at Harvard. You know what I'm saying? Not every not every black person at Harvard believes that uh, that everybody should eat. Um, so I, I I take it as my responsibility to teach all these other uh, black people here. Like, nah, man, you gotta Put you gotta get on. yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, you can't you can't you didn't get here by yourself. Yeah. You got here because so many people sacrificed for you to be here. Not these white people. These white people will make you think that you you need to thank them for being here. You need to thank them. Yeah. You need to thank your ancestors. Yeah. You think your your grandma who was cleaning white folks' kitchen in the south. Yo. Because so your real. grandma was cleaning white people's kitchen in the south, cooking their food in the south. That's the only reason you even got your ashy ass yeah. up north anywhere. Yeah. So to keep clear. it a hundred. Shout so, out to the Great Migration. You heard? <laughs> yeah, you know what I'm saying? Like or uh the folks who came from the Caribbean, they, yeah. they busted their ass, yeah. you know what I'm saying? They busted their ass doing all kinds of shit for for um, you know, white people and, and they endure all kinds of, 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 of stuff so that they people that they children and children's children could have a better chance. And to me, you've got to distribute that. You have you know, you gotta pay homage to them and make sure that that everybody uh that everybody has you know, uh, tan- something tangible to take a hold on to. You know what I'm saying? So that's why um, I love programs uh, like Books and Breakfast um, mm-hmm. because that to me is like, which is obviously uh, um, uh, a program that is modeled in part off of the Black Panther program. Yeah. Um, free breakfast. Like the only reason we have free breakfast in schools today, everywhere. It's because of that program. It's because of Black Panthers. Yep. Like, the Black Panthers are the reason we have free, free food in in cafeterias for for school children. Yes, that's what it is. Like, and these are these are people who you know all of the media talks about. Oh, they were violated with this and that. I'm like, no, they were feeding the community. Literally, like they were they were have food programs because of the bullshit the U.S. government was doing. Um, because of capitalism, it was kids starving in the hood. And they wanted to address that, yeah. so um, that's what it—that's what it means to me. Like, so I like a program like Books and Breakfast because it's literally like, look, you don't get a book and you don't get a meal. Yeah, period. And um, you know, uh, so that's what it means to me. You got, you gotta, you gotta give as much of yourself, all of yourself, to uh, to the service of all Black people because we know that. We know that if all black people are eating, but we know that everybody else is eating yeah. because all all the world over, black people are um, they experience different kinds of oppression. But all over the world, like we have been 
the the ones who are most left out. We are the ones who are most forgotten. So if you remember us and you make sure that all of us eat, everybody be good, man. Bong, 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 bong. So um, in light of that, and just in light of, you know, people that you mentioned do a bomb-ass work, who are, like, one to two people that you think we should interview for this Everybody Eats podcast? Ooh, that's a horror, man. I got so many... I got so many people that I look up to who are um, young. Some of them are younger than me. Some of them are older than me. <laughs> um, some of them uh, have been doing archives longer than me. Some people have not been archives at all. There's a lot of people that. Um, so, who can I say? Top five? <laughs> huh? I said you want to do a top five instead. <laughs> yeah, I think I might do a top five all because right, right. um, all right. So uh, yeah, I'm gonna just go with um, no, in no particular order. No, um, no order. Gotta say that first, right? <laughs> no order. So I, I love all of these people, but um, I definitely gotta mention uh, Joyce, Leanne, Joseph. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if y'all have already uh, reached out to her, no, but that's Joyce. In the works. You already Joyce know. Is, okay. Joyce is, is I got I got infinite amounts of love and admiration for, for her. Um also gotta throw my homie Burgess Jules out there. Um Burgess is uh he's at the University of California Riverside. He's an archivist there, but um he's he's one of those people that yeah, I mentioned I got connected with on Twitter before we haven't been in person. Um He's just been doing a lot of stuff like archive and Twitter, and uh, he's been doing a lot of uh, stuff around um, BLM and like you know connecting directly with activists. You know what I'm saying? So I got you know he he's, he has an interesting personal history uh, being from St. Lucia originally. You know what I'm saying? So it's I feel like he he brings such a, a unique perspective, and and I know where he stands on a lot of these topics. Um, mm-hmm. So I would definitely mention Burgess. Um, Got to mention a, a younger person who's doing it big is uh, uh, somebody that I know you know, um, Micah Broadnecks, um, who's an archivist mm, uh, yeah. in the Boston area, um, and just she's just all around dope. She works at the Harvard Law School, but she also uh, works at Converse as well. Uh, I got 